Alright guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Youth Podcast. It is Wednesday, September 26, 2018. On today's episode, uh, happy to welcome in Eric Fawcett of uh, GatorCountry.com. Does great work over there. Uh, does a lot of great stuff you should read. And he's he's appeared on a lot of podcasts, radio stuff as well. Uh, but wanted to catch up with him and talk about the Florida Gators, who will be one of the teams, uh, I think, going into the season. And we talked about this on Tuesday's episode of the podcast that you'll probably put in that mix as uh, a potential top 25 team to start the season. Uh, and they will be one of them teams that you sort of look around at and say, if everything kind of comes together, Florida has a chance to be a second weekend NCAA tournament type of team uh, and really be able to do some, some great things in Mike White's fourth season there. So we talked a lot about the program, sort of the state of the program itself and what Mike White's done there uh, in his first several seasons on the job and, and kind of how things are looking heading into this season roster-wise. Uh, Jalen Hudson back, Kayvon Allen back. Uh, they've got their guys back in the front court, Kavarius Hayes, Keith Stone. Uh, but they're going to add some, some players as well. And I think adding the freshmen, uh, adding the guys who had to sit out last year uh, for medical reasons and injuries and that type of stuff, um, it gives – Mike White, a lot of different pieces to work with. And I think Florida's going to be one of those teams that you look around and say, how are these guys going to fit into certain roles? And I think that's going to be uh, very interesting to watch with this team because, yes, they're going to have to replace Chris Chioza, uh, who played such a, a huge role for them last year, and Igor Kulachov, a great scorer. Uh, so how they replace those guys, but I think that Mike White's got a lot to work with. And we talk a lot about the roster uh, all those different players, how the freshmen are going to make an impact, plus the schedule. Another strong schedule for the Gators this year, non-conference-wise. And if you look at their SEC schedule, uh, they've got a really, really tough stretch and what could be one of the toughest stretches of anyone in the conference. And so we went into that as well. So a really in-depth discussion on the Gators. We're going to do a lot of these here on the podcast leading up to the start of the season for different teams. A lot of different guests coming on. Uh, so really, really uh, in-depth conversation here with Eric on the Florida Gators. So let's go ahead and jump into the conversation with uh, GatorCountry.com writer Eric Fawcett. Welcome back in to the Southeast Toots podcast. My guest today is Eric Fawcett of GatorCountry.com. Eric, uh, we talked before we came on here. Uh, we've been trying to do this for a while, and my schedule's kind of been all over the place. Uh, excited to finally do this because uh, college basketball practice is officially here, and uh, it's going to be another uh, interesting season, I think, for the Florida Gators, which we'll talk about more. Yeah, well, I mean, you do uh, you do more for SEC basketball than anyone, so I, uh, I know why your schedule's busy. But yeah, this is uh, yeah, it's going to be an awesome uh, an awesome year for the SEC again. Um, which is, uh, again, I, I remember listening to, uh, to you do podcasts and you do stuff on sec basketball, um, a few years back before the league was, uh, was doing so well. Um, so I'm glad you're here now that they're, uh, they're one of the best leagues in the country and, uh, yeah. And I'm glad to uh, be covering a Florida team that, uh, that's been, uh, doing pretty well here in the last couple of years. Yeah, they have. And it has been an interesting process. You know, we look back a couple of years ago and I think I said this in another podcast this week, it's kind of funny just to look back. To just to see the coverage of SEC basketball from a couple years ago to where it is now. But I think we all kind of saw that coming, you know, yourself included. I think when everybody looked around, 
just at all the talent, the coaches in the league, it was one of those things where I think we just knew it was going to happen, and now we're seeing it, and that's especially the case with Florida. And you look at sort of the state of that program right now, and our first time catching up on the podcast, you know, Mike White has been talked about a lot, and I think, you know, there are some people that kind of look at what he's done, and I think maybe just thought don't really give him enough credit for what he's been able to do so far. I know you look at last year, they had, after such a great start, I mean, there were points last year where you looked at Florida, you thought they could potentially be a top-five team all season long when they were playing the way they were in the PK-80. Um, they had the, the dip there where they started losing games and just could not find any consistency. But I think overall, when you look at Mike White's tenure, it's been very interesting. You know, he follows Billy Donovan, which was such a huge test for anyone, I think, no matter who would have stepped in there. Uh, but yet they've won 21 games, at least 21 games every year. They've got back-to-back NCAA tournament appearances. Now, Eric, when you look at the job he's done, how do you kind of see just the overall progression of the program there since he took over? Well, I think that one thing that, uh, that people probably forget is that the team that Mike White took over was a losing team with Billy Donovan. Yep. Um, Billy Donovan's last year, they were 16-17. and 17. Um, for, <laughs> for Billy Donovan to, uh, to go 16-17, and 17, um, uh, that, that's not to say the team was, was that awful or anything, I, I, I suppose, cause it's, uh, they still had some talented guys. Um, I, I just think like, that's a pretty tough situation to, uh, to take over if Billy Donovan's 16 and 17, um, you know, a lot of other coaches that that record could have been even uglier. But if you look at the first three years of Mike White, um, you know, the first year got them to the NIT, they did pretty well, won a couple games of the NIT. Um, and then two years ago, they made an Elite Eight. We're, uh, we're pretty close to making a Final Four. I think if they had John Igbunu healthy, um, they match up a lot better with South Carolina, who beat them in the Elite Eight. Um, and then, uh, you know, last year, they, they lose in the round of 32. But uh, uh, just they were in a kind of position that even though they had some really tough stretches, they probably had kind of three challenging stretches throughout the year last season. They were still in a position where they were, um, you know, a half-decent seed in the, in the tournament. So if you look at... Um, take Mike White taking over a team that uh, was a losing team under Billy Donovan. And you say in the first three years, he um, got to the NIT and won a couple of games, made an elite eight and lost in the round of 32. Um, yeah, that I would say that's a pretty successful first three years. Yeah, I'd say so too. And again, you look at kind of what uh, the expectations are there, knowing what Billy Donovan built. And now you kind of look around and we'll talk more, of course, about all of these talented players they have come in, this freshman class, and certainly the guys they have coming back. On the coaching staff, uh, there were a few changes, of course. Dusty May leaves, takes over at Florida Atlantic. Al Pinkins comes in as the new associate head coach, which he was at Texas Tech, but he's been in the SEC before. I think a lot of people in SEC basketball familiar with him. He was at LSU, Tennessee, Ole Miss. Uh, so he has some experience there. So that'll be a good boost, I think, for, for Mike White's staff, someone who's been around the league before uh, and helps them along with the guys that they already have there. But before we jump into the roster, I want to go into these stats because you put these stats out there. I've seen it in one of your articles on Gator Country. I love weird stats. Anybody who listens to this knows that. Uh, just the greatest. They're 9-0 and under Mike White on Thursdays. Uh, I think Florida <laughs> Florida should play every game on Thursday if you're a Florida fan. Um, they're also 24-1 and when scoring between 80 and 89 points. So to me, I don't even know why we waste our time. That's really the whole entire season. If Florida plays every game on Thursday, they score between 80 and 89 points, you're looking at a really good year. Oh yeah, I mean, if they could just get the SEC scheduling committee to uh, to make that happen, that would be uh, that would be great. 
Yeah, that's right. So uh, there's your uh, weird stats for the day. So um, th- those are good ones to keep in the back of your mind as the season gets started. All right, turn our attention to the roster. Uh, there's so many dynamics here I think you have to look at in terms of what they've been able to accomplish and now kind of what the nucleus of this team is uh, this year. I think defensively, Florida's kind of been maybe uh, kind of overlooked a little bit in terms of what they've been able to do defensively. We've seen all these great offensive players they've had come through, but you know certainly Chris Chioza, what he was able to do on the defensive end of the floor helped them. When I was looking back and making my notes uh, for the Gators for this season, you know, you look back, look at Ken Palm, they're top 25 in defensive efficiency the past six seasons. Uh, they were 24th last year. Uh, so it's been such a, a team on defense that's been able to kind of have that consistency. We've seen kind of like last year where they had some ups and downs on the offensive end of the floor, but did a really good job taking care of the ball. And now that kind of translates to this backcourt they're going to have this year. And it all kind of starts with Jalen Hudson, who comes back, uh, you know, withdrew from the NBA draft, now going to try to continue to hone his game. Eric, when you look at, at Jalen Hudson, a tremendous scorer last year, uh, an awesome perimeter threat, just what he was able to give them in bursts. I mean, just one of those dynamic scorers who can score in a hurry. When you look at him going into this year, what are maybe the biggest elements you kind of want to see him add to his game this year? Well, I think uh, defending at a higher level will definitely be kind of number one. He's got a really good frame, and he's got kind of the uh, the physical gifts to be a good uh, to be a good defender. He's you know six six. Uh, he's got uh, he's he's pretty explosive actually. So I feel like he's got the tools to be uh, to be a good defensive player. And I, I think he was a really good like one possession defensive player if that makes sense like when uh he had he had a game saving block um early in the uh, in that in that Gonzaga game the PK80 last year where uh, where he also you know went off and had eight three pointers um he kind of had a similar play against Cincinnati um where uh, there was a minute left and uh, Cincinnati had the chance to go up and he just uh rose up and blocked this layup out of nowhere and and he just he he has when he's locked in he can uh he has the physical gifts to make some uh some really impressive defensive plays but he's not stringing together you know 27 minutes of good defensive play quite yet um offensively i I think he's really really polished i i'm not sure what more you could realistically expect for him to uh, uh to get better at because he's he he takes a lot of tough shots but he's incredibly efficient. So if you if you were to look on film of some of the shots you take, you might think, hey, maybe he should uh, uh, get his shot selection a little tighter. But if you look at the the rate he converts them, uh, he he should keep taking them because he is a tough shot maker. Um, one of the interesting stats that I found uh, I found last year is he shot the ball like 11 percent better from three when he was contested than when he was uncontested. So he shot the ball significantly better when guarded. Um, I thought that was uh, that said a lot about his uh, his game, but um, yeah, I, I think he's got a lot of uh, a lot of great tools, and uh, and I see him um, scoring the ball at a high high level this year. Yeah, it's tough to defend when a guy uh, shoots better with someone in their face uh, than they do. <laughs> yeah, no, and we've seen guys like that in the past, and it's always interesting to look at that and see. But yeah, you're right. I mean, he's one of those guys where boy, he can just he can score in bunches, and when he gets going, he's really hard to stop. And we saw that a lot last year. Uh, you know, he averages 15.5 points per game. He shot 46% from the floor, 40% from three. Just a, a really tremendous score, and he'll he'll continue to be one of the better scorers in the SEC this season. Uh, but he'll have some help, and I think one of the guys that we continue to look at, I think Kayvon Allen, 
his role this season is going to be interesting. I mean, you look at last year, he averages 11 points per game, and, you know, he plays 31 minutes a game. His shooting percentages were down. It seemed like he just couldn't find that next gear, maybe that he found the year before, uh, but still such a valuable shooter in terms of uh, his ability to shoot from the perimeter. A great free throw shooter, of course, shot 90.6% last year. Um, I think it's just maybe a matter of just continuing to, to find that confidence, keeping that confidence game in and game out, uh, because you, you look at what he did uh, the year before as a sophomore, just a really dangerous score, and I think just being able to find that consistency is going to be key for him this year. Yeah, definitely. He's uh, he's one of the quietest people you will ever meet. Um, he's definitely not one of those guys that uh, is very brash or exudes confidence or is or is loud. Um, so I, th- I think that uh, yeah, he needs to uh, he needs to if he's got a shot, he's got to take it. Um, from a more maybe uh, practical standpoint, I think he's got to get better finishing on the interior. That's uh, you can see his uh, his two point field goal percentage has been uh, was was not very good last year. Um, he, he really struggled to finish through contact and he's a guy who's built for contact. He's incredibly muscular, um, but he just maybe just doesn't quite have that touch. And I think that, um, he just needs to, uh, add a little bit of, uh, maybe a couple different finishing moves around the hoop to help get that, uh, get that finishing at the rim better. Um, but he's also a guy last year that played a ton of minutes and, uh, just because of the nature of what Florida's perimeter was like, he was always taking the other team's best perimeter player, um, because he'd be out there with Jalen Hudson, who we know is not a great, uh, you know, not a great perimeter defender. Um, or he'd be out there with Igor Kulichov, uh, not a great perimeter defender. Um, and then he'd be out there with Chris Chioza, who's, you know, ta- taking the other team's, uh, point guard usually, and he's not switching out too much because Chris Chioza's not not big. So um, there was a lot of really, really tough matchups for, for Kayvon Allen. And he actually competed really well defensively. But um, I, I, for him to play 30 minutes or 31 minutes a game, always taking the other team's best perimeter player on the floor, I think that's got to take something out of you um, that probably didn't help his offensive game. And uh, I think this year with Florida having uh, an improved defensive squad and some other guys that will be able to defend on the perimeter a little bit better, um, Kayvon Allen won't be uh, expected to play 30 minutes of shutdown basketball defensively and then be also be required to be a, to be a high usage guy offensively. Well, and I think there's a couple of aspects that are going to help in that regard. I mean, you're talking about his leadership role is going to be huge this year, knowing that the freshmen they have coming in, uh, being able to provide, you know, that leadership on the court, especially like you said, on the defensive end too. Um, and then I think he is going to be helped by these freshmen. And we look at those guys, uh, Andrew Nimhard, you know, Noah Locke, those guys, I think, who are going to be able to really open up a lot of things because they're going to have to be guarded. I mean, you can't just say, you know, you're not just going to be able to look at Florida and say, all right, we're going to leave one of these guys open. I think the backcourt for Florida is going to be able to compete with anybody in the SEC, uh, knowing all these different guards that that can score in a lot of different ways. And, and you know, Eric, you you do look at these combo of guards that they have coming in as freshmen. I mean, two guys that really can play, I think, immediately. They're going to play a lot. Um, you look at Nimhart, I mean, someone who is just considered such a, a tremendous passer, the size at 6'5", to be able to play, you know, the way he can. I think he's just, I love his game. I mean, just watching this kid play, he's going to be able to make such a huge impact right away. And I just think these two guys are going to add so much to them uh, from a guard standpoint. 
Oh, definitely. Uh, like Nemhart, I expect big things from him. I expect him to start as a freshman. And maybe that's uh, that sounds like I'm a little bit too high on him, expecting a, a freshman to start at uh, this high of a level. But um, he played at Montverde Academy. You know, they get guys ready from a high school standpoint. And then this summer, he played a ton of international basketball for Team Canada. Uh, he played in their under-19 game uh, games. And then he also actually played on the senior men's national team, playing against NBA players and playing with NBA players and uh, was able to uh, to play regular shift with them. So uh, I think he's going to be ready to go. I, I don't think he's he's going to have much of an adjustment period. So uh, I expect really big things from him. And uh, Noah Locke brings an element the team didn't have last year of just a guy who can um, really knock down shots from the outside. Uh, Jalen Hudson was an awesome shooter, but he was, uh, you know, he's a guy who kind of created his own shots. Uh, Noah Locke's really going to help with spacing the floor. Um, he's a guy who actually can shoot off the dribble as well. He's a really talented scorer. And I think having that kind of uh, that kind of spark plug off the bench who you can uh, turn to to get some instant offense, uh, I think that's big. And uh, I, Coach White said also as well in the uh, media day yesterday that he's been really impressed with, uh, with Noah Locke's defense. And he's not that big. He's not super muscular yet. But he's got quick feet and he's really smart. So I think he'll... Uh, he'll find a way to uh, to compete defensively. And I mean, hey, if you can compete defensively and, and knock down jump shots, uh, there's always a place for you on a basketball team. Yeah, there is for sure. And I think the biggest thing is, I talked about it a minute ago, is the size. I mean, you look at Nimhard, who's someone who's 6'5", and just, you know, athletic as can be. We talked about the passing, the vision he has. Uh, we look at Locke. I mean, he's got a six foot eight wingspan, and he's a guard that's able to kind of do different things. And I think it's just they have that size that you need uh, to play at an elite level and compete with these top teams, you know, not just in the SEC but around the country. Um, and I think that's really going to be a, a huge boost for them uh, in being able to, to succeed this year because they do have a lot of people they can go to in that backcourt and the guys as well um you know we'll talk about some breakout candidates but some guys that played very well last year uh you know deandre ballard people like that i think you're going to be able uh to really continue to develop their game and have an opportunity but eric everything i think for this florida team is really going to rely on that front court because you, you look at kind of the makeup there and you've got a lot of different interesting pieces uh, Kivarius Hayes is now going to come back, and what a great shot blocker he is. Keith Stone, two maybe different type of players, but I think both of those guys are really the key to their success this year and seeing how they develop. They really haven't had to have a big offensive role, uh, but defensively, I think these are two guys that they're definitely going to have to lean on. Uh, maybe it just, uh, you know, I think you look around at this team, you can certainly, we've talked about all the, the guards and what the high expectations are for those guys. But I think when you're talking about what's going to be maybe what gets Florida to that next level or gives them that opportunity uh, to be an SEC title contender, I think it may start with these two guys right here. Yeah, I think so. And when you, uh, when you play in the SEC, there's uh, uh, there's still a bit of that football mentality, I feel, because it still seems like every team has an awesome front court that's physical, yeah. that can uh, that can score inside. Um, and that anchors your defense. And yeah, you mentioned Kavarius Hayes was one of the best shot blockers in the country last year. Um, uh, he uh, he's plays a really big role in the defense because uh, Coach White really wants his uh, his guards to pressure the ball. He really wants guys up in up in the faces on the perimeter. And when that happens, you are going to get back cut. Sometimes you are uh, maybe going to get shifted, and, and a guy's going to 
get you in the paint because you're playing in him so tight. And when you have a guy like Kavarius Hayes who can cover up defensive mistakes, that's awesome. And uh, we know that everyone wants to switch as much as they can these days in, in basketball. And Keith Stone is a guy who's uh, muscular enough to uh, to stick to a big if he needs on the inside, but also uh, also can really challenge guys on the perimeter. So he's he's really switchy and uh, and is a really versatile defensive piece. And yeah, they're, offensively, Kavarius Hayes doesn't uh, bring you much other than being uh, maybe a bit of a lob threat of a rim runner. But uh, Keith Stone can shoot the ball incredibly well. He's really, uh, really polished uh, with his footwork. And uh, I think if you maybe see Kavarius Hayes as the defensive anchor, uh, Keith Stone's the perfect compliment because he's a really skilled offensive player to, to kind of bounce that out. Yeah, I agree. And I like the way Stone's kind of developed on that, that side. Like we said, he really hasn't had to be, you know, a 20 point per game type of story or score. He hasn't been able uh, to be, you know, that the go to guy necessarily because they've had all these tremendous scoring guards. But I think now you see that potential for him to really break out this year and really have a big season. He'll be one of the guys I think a lot of people are going to need to keep their eye on in terms of breakout candidates just around the conference, uh, just because, like we said, of what he can do on both ends of the floor. But if we're talking about breakout candidates on this specific Gators team here, Eric, I mean, I think there's a lot of guys you could look at. Um, You know, we haven't even talked about another talented freshman in Keontae Johnson, uh, but, you know, th- there's another guy there I think I kind of had my eye on. He didn't play last year. Uh, he just, well, he didn't play much, and he ended up doing getting a medical red shirt and all that. But Chase Johnson is someone I kind of had my eye on before the season started last year. I think, actually, I may have listed him as kind of my, my breakout player on Florida's team going into last season. But I think he's an interesting guy. Um, in terms of what he's going to be able to bring. It seems like Mike White's really been high on him since he's been there, even though he went through everything he went through last year. Uh, But it seems like when you look at this roster and we talk about guys uh, that maybe aren't necessarily going to come out of nowhere, but guys that are going to step up and kind of see their their role expand as the year goes along, I think Florida's got several guys on the team that can do that. Yeah, if I had to say a breakout candidate, I would definitely say Chase Johnson. Uh, I think that he's going to have the opportunity for the most minutes. Um, Keontae Johnson and uh, Noah Locke, some of those uh, those freshmen, I think it'll, it, there's just fewer minutes available on the perimeter probably where I think Chase Johnson uh, could find himself being the first big off the bench. He could probably play some five. Um, but he's more more of that stretchy kind of four. Uh, he's just kind of a little bit of a do it do it all kind of guy. He's uh, he can shoot the three. He can finish inside. He's uh, he he finishes stronger than you probably think looking at his frame. Um, and he's just yeah he's a he's a guy who could just see um, with that kind of like jack of all trades game that you just he just finds himself getting a lot more minutes than than a lot of people might expect at first. Um, could play a lot of different matchups. Um, he's, he's probably a guy you could put on the wing at times. So he's just, uh, that versatility will, uh, will endear himself well to the coaching staff. And, uh, yeah, he, I, I think he's going to be, uh, be the breakout guy for the, for the Gators for sure. What do you think about Isaiah Stokes? I think he's someone that we, we didn't get a chance again. You know, he's someone, and it really, I think the main theme and Mike White kind of said it, you mentioned yesterday, I think at media day is. I think that's going to be the big theme for them this year is just keeping everyone healthy, keeping everyone on the court. Um, Isaiah Stokes, I mean, from a physical standpoint, I think you look at a guy like that and he can certainly be able to contribute. But I think it's going to be interesting to see kind of how he, he factors into the mix there. Yeah, you know, if you asked me who who I thought the breakout candidate would be like a week ago, I probably would have said Stokes um, because – 
Uh, the way that he scored the ball in high school was just incredible. I mean, the, the guy was 300 pounds, 6'8", uh, but he was hitting step-back threes on much smaller players and was beating guys off the dribble that were much quicker or you'd think would be much quicker than him. Um, but I got, you know, there was a little bit of a scare yesterday at Media Day. Uh, Coach White was just talking about the fact that, um, uh, you know, with uh, with his injury troubles and um, that not helping his ability to keep weight off. Uh, he Coach White mentioned that, I mean, he's now been on campus for like a year and a half and he's still never been able to go through a full practice at, at right. full speed just because of uh, the issues keeping the weight off and uh, his knee problem. And um, skill-wise, oh man, I, I think he could be one of the best best bigs in the SEC by the time his uh by the time uh, he's played a couple of years or even, even right away. I mean, I think he could play a big, big role right now if he was even uh, not even in tremendous shape, but just, you know, good enough shape to play a regular shift. So uh, he's a guy that I could see maybe not factoring in much, just unfortunately be due to the weight issues, but he's a guy that I could also see that um, if he's able to get healthy and uh, be at a good playing weight, uh, there's not many guys who can match up with his skill set offensively. I'm not quite sure who he guards because of that size, um, but, oh, man, is he going to be able to score the ball? Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I think that's kind of the – you look around, and we always say this when you have teams uh, that bring in new players, and then you have a guy like Chase Johnson who didn't you know, play at all pretty much last year. It's always going to be kind of fascinating to see how everyone kind of meshes together and who kind of takes the minutes here and there and all that. But Florida's got a lot of different players that, that I think that you can kind of plug into different roles, uh, and I think that's going to give Mike White some depth to work with. And, and you know, I mean, we've talked about this for a year now. I think depth is the biggest theme in the SEC where you're seeing these coaches – uh, add all this this talent, and I think just building that depth is huge. And I think Mike White has that to work with this year. I think he's going to need it, Eric, because they have a, yet again a very strong non conference schedule. Um, you look around at what that's going to look like this year, and, and it's no surprise we've seen Florida continue to play a very tough schedule, and we've seen them continue to benefit from it. I mean, you look at some games they're going to have. They open up at Florida State. Uh, as we know, they're going to play West Virginia. They've got Michigan State. A, a lot of other different games. Butler, it's going to be fun, I think, for, for Florida. H- home home games because they got some really good games coming in there uh, to Gainesville and everybody else on the schedule. But there's something else that, that I kind of looked at, and, and we it seems like we say this for the past couple of years now. There's not really going to be any easy games in the SEC but there is a particular stretch that I, I've looked at in this conference slate for them that looks very, very daunting. Um, it's the start of February. February 2nd, they're going to host Kentucky. Then they go to Auburn. They go to Tennessee. All three of those teams are potential top 10 preseason type of teams. They host Vanderbilt, who's going to be much improved, as we know, at Alabama, at LSU. And then from there, it's just like that's a really tough stretch and I think you know you want to be playing your best basketball towards the end of the season in that February March run uh the Gators have another strong schedule this year to work with yeah definitely they've uh they've played a tough schedule uh, as long as Mike White's been here the last three years um which I think is partially uh, a bit of my uh, Mike White's frustrations from uh, when he was at Louisiana Tech and no one would play him because um, they were scared you know how none of the teams wanted to take on a talented mid-major like that um, and then also, uh, you know, two years ago, they really gamed the RPI by playing all these uh, 
neutral site games that were in the state of Florida. Um, that's where I learned that you can pretty much schedule a game as close to your home campus as possible. But as long as you don't officially do the ticket distribution, it's a neutral site game. So <laughs> right. they get, they gave, they gamed the RPI pretty good a couple of years ago. And, uh, but yeah, they, uh, their schedule this year, when you look at, uh, the strength of the sec and then obviously their non-conference, it's going to be tough. And, uh, yeah, that stretch you're talking about in, in February, that was one that just, um, especially looked like a gauntlet, uh, even just the fact that uh, you were talking about Vanderbilt, one thing that I thought was uh, kind of funny, because Vanderbilt's um, one of their kind of built-in rivalries who they play twice every year. Um, but the fact that they play them in February both times, um, if I'm Florida, I mean, I'd probably rather play them at the beginning of January because uh, they're super talented, but they're young. So I'd probably rather catch them earlier in the SEC season than uh, when they probably had the chance to do more gelling. So by the time February comes around, uh, I expect pretty, uh, pretty big things out of uh, out of Vanderbilt. Um, that's also one that uh, Mike White is just uh, I th- he's one in six against Vanderbilt to start things off. Right. So uh, Vanderbilt has been uh, been really tough for, for Mike White. Um, so those could even be yeah, those are going to be uh, difficult games and uh Obviously, like you said, just looking down Auburn and Tennessee and, and Alabama and LSU, it's not like there's many easy games in the SEC. But, uh, yeah, that February stretch will be a tough one for the Gators. Yeah, and you look at really their entire – I stopped after that you know, at LSU, but they've got Missouri and then at Vanderbilt. Their entire February schedule, I would be – again, there's not going to be any easy, easy games in the SEC. We know that. But I would venture to say their February schedule is probably tougher than anyone's in the conference. That's just – off the top of my head, because my goodness, that is a loaded schedule. They go on the road, I think, five or six times at, during that month. Boy, that, that's going to show us a lot about this Florida team, I think, Eric, and that's going to tell us kind of where they're at at that point, because that is very tough uh, looking at it now. All right, we got a couple different questions from Twitter. We'll go ahead and knock those out here before we wrap up. Uh, we've talked a little bit about some of these, but but I think some of these are also very interesting uh, Mike Henry asks, uh, once we reach SEC play, who is your projected starting five uh, for the Gators? So, I mean, I don't really have any take that's too hot here. I think you see that they've got um, a senior in Cavarius Hayes who's going to start, a redshirt junior in Keith Stone who's going to start, uh, a fifth-year senior in Jalen Hudson who's going to start, a senior in Kayvon Allen who's going to start. And then I think Andrew Namhart, the freshman, is going to start. But uh, that that the, maybe the uh, the point guard spot is the one that there might be uh, some room for maybe Michael Okaru to get in as the as the starter. But I think that those other four uh, veteran guys, I think those are those are pretty locked in. Yeah, it seems like a pretty clear cut. And you know, we we never know how injuries are going to factor in all that. But it is an intriguing question because I think you're going to look around at some of these other teams around the SEC. Uh, where it could look dramatically different by the time you get to SEC play versus what the starting five looks like, uh, you know, the first of November, because I think you may see some of these freshmen, sophomore kind of carve out roles and be able to move in there so, or at other places around the SEC. So that'll be interesting. Um, another one from uh, at Gator Tornado. We've kind of talked about this, but maybe just to kind of put them maybe a little more into tears. As it stands now, what is the projected impact of each freshman? I mean, I think it's safe to say 
like we've talked about, you know, Nimhart, I think from day one is someone they're going to be able to rely on a lot. And really they're going to have to rely on, I think, in that point guard role. Uh, but then you look at Locke and Johnson and, and, you know, we talked about Chase Johnson, who's, you know, red shirt freshman medically, all that kind of stuff. But if you look at just this 2018 class, I think it's pretty safe to say all these guys are going to have an opportunity to play. Uh, but it does feel like Nimhart is someone who could really be that guy that we're looking around and saying, wow, you know, he could wind up being one of the, the better freshmen in the SEC. Yeah, I think he plays the biggest role. Um, I think Locke, just the way that he, he scores, he's going to be uh, he's going to be kind of a uh, He's kind of unique in that skill set, which means he's going to fall into that role. And then I think Keontae Johnson plays a big role because last year the Gators didn't have anyone to really take on the other team's best wing. Uh, that's where they had, you know, Kayvon Allen taking on some some of those tough matchups with bigger wings that he was giving up a lot of size. And uh, Keontae Johnson is just built perfectly to be that shutdown, uh, shutdown wing. And I think he's going to be playing that role a lot when he comes off the bench to uh, – uh, with the task of just locking down the other team's best player. So uh, that's kind of how I see everyone slotting in. Yeah, it's good to have options. And Mike White has options this year. And these freshmen, I think, are going to give him a lot of flexibility uh, and versatility in terms of how they want to play. Uh, so that will be interesting. All right, Eric, let's wrap up with this. Overall expectations for this team, you know, again, we look at all these different aspects on, on this year's team. We've talked about maybe the potential strengths, some possible weaknesses. Safe to say, I mean, this – this is an NCAA tournament team in my eyes. I feel like they're a preseason top 25 team. I think when you look at them from top to bottom, uh, and we just mentioned it, you talk about all the different options he has. Depth is going to be so important, and keeping everyone healthy is going to be the biggest challenge maybe uh, more than anything. But, you know, safe to say this is an NCAA tournament team, and, and probably anything less would, would be uh, pretty much a disappointment, I would think. Yeah, I, I I would uh I'd be pretty disappointed with the amount of talent they have, with the amount of uh players they're going to have in their rotation. Um I for my expectations, I think that uh kind of the easiest way to do it is um look at how the team did the year before and do you think they're better or worse? And last year they lost in the round of 32 and I think they're a lot better this year. They're way healthier, their front court is much improved. And, uh, yeah, and they're just a little bit older. So if they're, uh, if they lose in the round of 32, uh, last year, and I think that they're better, I think they're a team that hopefully wins a round of 32 matchup and is, uh, is kind of in that sweet 16 mix. So that would be, uh, that'd be my expectation for the team. Yeah. And I kind of mentioned it in the podcast this week. I think you could realistically look at half the league and say there really, I mean, there, there are seven, maybe even eight teams that you feel like could be second weekend NCAA tournament teams this year. And that's just really wild to think about. Uh, but I just that, that's how strong the league is. You've got six or seven teams that could easily make a case to be in the top 25 when the season starts. I think Florida is definitely among that group, and it will be entertaining once again to see how everything turns out there for the Gators uh, in Mike White's fourth season in Gainesville. All right, Eric, uh, let everybody know where they can find you. You're over at GatorCountry.com writing some great stuff. You're always popping up everywhere on the radio, on podcasts. You talk about me doing stuff all the time. Hey, I listen. <laughs> you got stuff going on everywhere, so I'll let people know where they can find you uh, to follow your work. Yeah, so if you're a Gators fan, you can definitely check me out at uh, Gator Country. 
Um, if you are, uh, yeah, if you're just maybe more of just a general basketball fan, uh, Twitter's great for, uh, I, I love to talk basketball. Uh, so, uh, I'm at E Fawcett seven. So yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Blake. This was, uh, this was awesome. And I'm glad it's, uh, glad it worked out for us. Hey, absolutely, man. We're going to do this again. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I know it's only the end of September November will be here before you know it. Uh, and so we'll definitely catch up and talk some more here as the, the season goes along. It's going to be another fun year of basketball in the SEC. Thanks, Eric. All right. Thank you. Take care. All right, that was a conversation with Eric Fawcett of GatorCountry.com. Uh, really enjoyed having him on. Someone we'll have on regularly here throughout the season uh, once things get started uh, in November. But, yes, practice is officially underway. You've seen a lot of media days uh, happen both Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, so you can catch some nuggets out of there. It's a good way to kind of uh, get more information on where things stand right now. But as we know, things will change throughout practice leading up to the season, but it does kind of give you an idea injury-wise where guys are at. Um, I guess probably the most significant thing thus far, Avery Johnson uh, came out yesterday. Freshman Deontay Wood uh, had ankle surgery, I believe, so he's going to be out uh, four months, I believe is what he said. So injuries are always going to play a role. So this is kind of that time where you go through practice, and you know, as we talked with Eric about, you know, if you're someone like Mike Wyatt, who's had to deal with these injuries over the past couple of years, you just hope to keep everyone uh, healthy, ready to go for the start of the season. So that's the biggest thing to monitor as we go through the start of practice here at the end of September and through October as well. So uh, thanks again to Eric for uh, joining me here on the podcast. And thank you as always for listening. So be sure you subscribe. Uh, just go over to iTunes, search for Southeast Hoops. That way you can subscribe. Uh, get all these episodes delivered to you as soon as uh, they go up. And, yes, I'm going to start doing these more regularly, like I said, and really keep you guys informed on all things SEC basketball with a lot of different guests. I'll still have the podcasts I'll do on my own, talking about certain aspects of the league. Uh, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of that. Uh, really, I think it's going to be a really fun resource, a great resource for you guys going into the season. Another highly anticipated year of basketball in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, So be sure you don't miss any of the stuff uh, that we have on the way. So thanks as always for listening, and I will talk to you guys next time.